Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, we praise you. God, we run after you with every bit of passion in us. God, give us strength. Give us wisdom. May we run a tremendous race. God, I thank you for all the opportunities you place around us. Pray you'd open our hearts, our eyes, our ears. That we'd see what it is you're calling us to. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. This day and every day. Amen. We're in the series Dangerous. We've been talking about developing a dangerous faith. Dangerous love. That as Christians, we've been called by God. We've been called by God to have a dangerous heart and attitude. We talked about that the last couple of weeks. And today what I want to talk about is being a dangerous church. You know, high-octane church. And what I want to do is kind of look at what I call the unseen side of a dangerous church. Now, I wonder, how many of you remember what a magic eye is? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? The pictures that you would get and you'd stare at them. Do, do you know what I'm talking about here? They're a bunch of colors, a bunch of shapes. And you would stare at it for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, something would just pop out of the picture. It might be like a 3D fish or a 3D flower, but it would be in 3D, and it'd just hit you. Now, how many of you remember that? Know what I'm talking about? Okay, all right. How many of you just put your hand up because you wanted to be a part of the crowd? <laughs> I remember uh, my, my brother and I, we were in grade school when these first came out. And so what we did, we, we pooled our money, and we bought one of the books that had a lot of the pictures in it. And at first, neither one of us, we, we couldn't see anything. We'd stare and stare and stare, nothing. And then finally it happened for me. It just popped uh, off the page. And I could see it, but my brother couldn't, all right? And he's younger than me, about four years. And so I'm like, wow, it's amazing. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. He's like, what is it? What is it? What is it? I said, mm, better not tell you because, I mean, but it's incredible. It's incredible. And I remember messing with him. Uh, I was like, you know, might be an IQ issue is why you can't see it. And uh, I told him, I was like, you know, some substandard species are not capable of seeing in 3D. And I just messed with him. That's what brothers do, right? How many of you have a brother? You know, it's like, yeah. It's like, my brother tried for weeks and weeks. I'd go into his room, and he'd have the book open, and he'd be working on it. But he just couldn't see it. He just couldn't see it. What I want to do today is help us see a side of the church that most people don't get to see. And I believe when you finally see it, it just pops and it gets your attention. And I want to build a foundation this morning. And I'm going to base it on the parable that Jesus told in Matthew 25. It's a parable of the talents. And basically you've got this wealthy guy that's getting ready to go on a long trip. And so he calls his servants together. And he gives them talents according to each of their abilities. So one of the guys he gives five talents to. Another guy he gives two talents to, and another one he gives just one talent to. 
The guy that got the five, he invests the money and he doubles it, all right? The second guy who got the two talents, he does the same thing. He doubles what he was given. But the third guy, he, he knew that these talents were really important. But instead of investing, what he did, he decided to play it safe. And so he dug a hole and he buried it in the ground to kind of protect it. Uh, there weren't banks back then, or not, not banks as we know it anyway. And so that's what he did. Now, if you read the story just in general, the chances are the guy that doubled his money, you kind of go, wow, that's pretty good. Wish I could do that with my money. And you, and you kind of romanticize it, right, a little bit. And you kind of gloss over what I would call the unseen side in this story. It's uh, that part that I want to bring into view and to get us thinking about because there's always the unseen side. Now, obviously, I'm going to read into the story a little bit, all right? But for example, the, imagine the two guys that doubled their money. I could almost imagine that these guys spent a lot of time. They spent a lot of time praying and maybe seeking God, trying to figure out what, what was the best thing to do with the money. Maybe trying to figure out what was the right place to invest the money. They may have studied market trends, uh, maybe read the business journals of their day, uh, looked at what was going on in the world politically and everything. And so they, they spent time. And I'm going to guess that these guys struggled a little bit, too. They were leaning one direction. Maybe I'll invest it here. Hesitate a little bit. Sweating. Sweating it out. Wondering, did did they make the right choice? That's the unseen side, right? That's the side people don't really think about. There's also the unseen side with the guy that buried the talents, right? I mean, I could envision this guy, as he's watching the other guys investing money, thinking, how could they be that foolish? You know, I'm doing the right thing. I'm playing it safe. I'm burying my talent. Master comes back. The two guys that had doubled their investment, the master says, well done. The guy that played it safe, buried it in the ground, thought he was doing the right thing. The master calls him wicked, lazy. In fact, the master takes the one talent that he had given him. He takes it back. He gives it to one of the guys that doubled the money. And he tosses the servant out. In fact, scripture says, tossed him out into darkness. Interesting story to me. The guy that thought he was playing it safe. The guy that thought he was doing the right thing we're told, was wicked and lazy. Hmm. That's a foundation I want to explore today. Because I think it speaks to the foundation of the church. And I would argue that a lot of churches today are playing it safe. Guarding what they have. Burying their treasures. And not taking risks in the world. Could you imagine a day Jesus Christ is coming back? We're told that in Scripture. But what if Christ came back and the words we would hear are, 
wicked, wicked and lazy servant. You guarded, you guarded what I gave you instead of taking risks, instead of taking faith risks. And I've said all along, faith fellowship will not be a safe church. Will never be a safe church. I want to be a dangerous church, church that, that God uses. You know, safe churches, I think there, there's some qualities that, that are part of a safe church. One is you try and keep all the members happy all the time. I grew up in a safe church. Let's keep what we got. Let's, let's bury our, our talents. Let's play it safe. Let, let's keep everybody happy. Let's do that. That's our goal. That's what safe churches do. Safe churches, um, I think, avoid controversy. They avoid hard-pressing topics. They avoid making people uncomfortable. You know, oh, let's not make him by man, especially not the money people. You know, let, let's, let's stay away from that. that. That's a little dangerous topic. It's, it won't sell well today. I, I know God's Word says this or that. But we're just not going to talk about it because it makes people uncomfortable. Someone might get mad. Let's just leave it alone. Let's just play it safe. That's what safe churches do. Safe churches stay with status quo, too. The, the fact is that we, we get into a mentality that says, oh, let's not risk that. Everything seems to be working sort of okay, so let's just leave it there. You know, play it safe. Play it safe. I would argue that people today, people that don't go to church, I don't think they're rejecting God as much as they are the church. And I've thought about this a lot through the years. Why is it that people don't go to church? I think it's because they've been. They've been and nothing happens. Been there, done that. Nothing takes place. In fact, I, I think what it is is people are kind of rejecting the safe church. Which, friends, makes our goal, our mission as a church crystal clear in my mind. It is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We are called to be dangerous. We are called to be that church. You know, I believe when you submit your life to Jesus Christ, you cannot stay the same. When you're in the presence of God, it radically ignites you and changes you. And what happens is the mission becomes dangerously clear. You see, the only thing that really matters is eternity. When all said and done, eternity is all that matters. Everything else, up in smoke. You know, reaching out to a lost world, to people that do not know Jesus Christ, and helping people grow in their relationship. It's the only things that matter. As Christians, we are called to that. We are called to reach out to people. And I believe anything short of sin, we are called to do. To, to leverage that, to, to make that happen. You know, every week we, we gather 
and we worship. We were worshiping this morning. And that helps us grow in our faith. It's given worship to, to God to whom it's due. You know, we, we sit in a service like this, and I, I hope that we grow in our knowledge of God's Word, that we begin to apply what we learn. If you're in a small group, one of the things that happens in a small group is you grow. You grow. You, you find support. You find accountability for your life. There are a lot of people that, that serve around here. They serve on teams. They're leveraging their giftedness for God. And then one of the things, and we talk about this a lot, we're to build relationships. Not only with one another, I hope that's happening, but with people that are outside those doors, that are not in the family. We, we should be inviting and loving and reaching out and helping them any way we can so that what will happen is one day they'll walk through the doors. And at some point, if you sit in the seat long enough and you start getting involved, you at some point bow and knee to Jesus Christ and then you start growing in your faith. That's the model. It's a dangerous mission with eternal implications. As Christians, again, when you're in the presence of God, hearts on fire, ignite. Everything crystallizes. Our priorities become very, very clear. And so what I want to do, I want to talk about that, that unseen side, that, that dangerous side of the church. I was thinking about all the success in, in the world, and people, people see a success story, and they'll go, man, I wish I had a, that good. You know, I wish, um, like a marriage. They go, I wish my marriage was great like that. But there's an unseen side, right? Years and years uh, of sacrificial decisions, you know, a couple that, that works really hard at, at trying to work through conflict. And they, they grow through the struggles that they face together. They work at communicating w- with one another. That's the unseen side, right, of a marriage. Good marriages don't just happen. Great marriages don't just happen. You know, financially, you know, you see someone that's really financially strong, and unless it was just all handed to them, there's an unseen side, right? An unseen side. They, there are years and years of living beneath your means, uh, of saving and paying things off and working hard at whatever that person does. And they work hard at it. But it's the unseen side. Nobody really talks about that. They just go, oh, I wish, wish I was like that. Well, friends, there's an unseen side. In the church. Same is true at Faith Fellowship. You know, I hear regularly from colleagues, they'll, they'll come and visit or they'll, they'll catch me at some point and they'll go, man, I'd love, I'd love to pastor a church like, like yours. Or someone visits from out of town and they'll say, I'd love to be a part of a church like that. I wish you guys were closer. But there's an unseen side. And that's what we're going to take a peek at. 
You see, I believe one of the qualities of a dangerous church is pain. Pain. Get ready for it. Pain. You know, when, when you are making a difference in the kingdom of God, get prepared to have a little bit of pain in your life. You know, John 15, Jesus is speaking here. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. That's pretty uplifting, isn't it? Woo! Sign me up. Here's the deal. If you are a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, some people will hate you. Some people will reject you. They will despise you. They may even persecute you. I have said often that if you are being persecuted for your faith or things aren't smooth, don't worry about it. It's just part of the program. It's just part of life. It's the way it's supposed to be. But you should worry if you're not being persecuted. If you have those bumps in the road, it's just part of what's supposed to be. You see, as a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, you will face pain. You will have struggles. And here's the odd thing to me. I believe a lot of people come to God hoping to eliminate pain. There's this kind of a false teaching out there today that if you come to God, everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be great, you won't have problems, it's just going to be smooth as soon as you give God the reins. In fact, I believe that that's the goal of a lot of Christians. And so what, what happens is we begin to live our lives in this kind of a cloistered environment where we surround ourselves with just Christian people, just church people. Start speaking Christianese. And that's the goal. And if that's your goal as a Christian, to live a life absent of pain and problems, if that's the God you're chasing, you're chasing a false God. I mean, Jesus Christ did not die on the cross so you could play it safe and have it easy. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we would live by faith, so that we would take risks, so that we would press the throttle, so that we would look at what is it needs, and if it's painful, so what? We just push through it. So, you know, we die to ourselves. You know, that old nature. We, we begin to live through Jesus Christ, that, that new nature. You know, First Peter 4 Peter writes these words. He says, since then, or so then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to what? Suffer too. There's another one. Woo, man. It's exciting, isn't it? That jazzes you up. 
Friends, that message right there is dangerously missing from churches today. It is rare that you hear someone talk about get ready to suffer. It's the unseen side of the Christian faith. As Christians, you will be rejected. You will be misunderstood. You will suffer. The fact is, this is not your home. We're not from this world. We're told in Scripture that, that our home is elsewhere. We're foreigners, strangers. We're God's children. Once in a while, I'll have someone say to me that's known me for a long time, they'll go, you know, things really go your way, don't they? You know, you got got a great church and you got a great family, this good life, and and it is. I wouldn't change anything. You know, I have said often it is an incredible honor to be a part of this church. But there's an unseen side. Do not kid yourself. There, there's more pain than I'd even care to discuss. Because here's what I've learned. If you want to be a part of something great for the kingdom of God, get ready to face pain. When we first uh, started, uh, there was pain. When I first started in ministry, there was pain. And it used to bother me when I was young. You're going, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? But it did. It just bothered me. It'd get to me sometimes. But where I am today, I just embrace. Consider it part of the call of Jesus Christ. You know, I have watched Christians through the years, uh, and they, they call themselves Christians, but they live a life that's really void of pain. In fact, if they get hurt, what they do, they pick the ball up and go home. You know, somebody says something. They didn't call me. Someone stepped on my toes. This, that, whatever. You know what I want to say? Grow up. Grow up. Heaven and hell are on the line. You get your feelings hurt. You face pain. You suffer. You stay in the game. You know, through the years I have found there are seasons as a leader. There are seasons where the pain's more intense. Or there are seasons where where the cost and sacrifice are, are greater. And when I'm in that kind of season, I always turn to Hebrews 12. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Keeps me grounded. See, Christians, consider it an honor when you endure pain for the kingdom of God, when you work those late hours trying to accomplish something that that needs to take place in, in the church. Consider it an honor. You know, it's behind the scenes. It's the unseen side. 
It's that point where you no longer want to be just a consumer, but you become a contributor to the kingdom of God. You you change. And you step in the game knowing, absolutely, there's going to be pain. There's also that unseen side of risk. In fact, a lot of risk. There's a a great story. I'd encourage you to read it this week. But it's found in uh, Acts 19. And it's it's a humorous story to me. I mean, I I find myself just laughing through it. But you've got the the seven sons of Siva. And I'm going to guess they were new Christians, okay? Uh, The scripture doesn't really tell us that, but I think they were new Christians probably. And they saw Paul and the disciples. They're they're casting demons out of of people. And so these new Christians, they're watching, they're thinking, well, let's do that too. Paul's doing it. We'll do it. So they, they find a guy. They go to his home, and they command the spirits to come out of him. And they, the scripture says they commanded in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches about. That's what they stated. Scripture says that the spirits push back at them. We know Jesus, and we're familiar with Paul, but who are you guys? I mean, that's what scripture literally says. It says... The man who had the evil spirit in him attacked them with such violence that he overpowered them all. They ran away from his house, wounded and with their clothes torn off. They ran out of the house naked. That's why I get laughing. I'm trying to picture picture what's, what's going on there. These guys get beat to death. They, they took a risk and they fail. I mean, they fail miserably. They got their pride handed to him. Can you imagine? Your buddies would never let you live it down, would they? Remember that time? I mean, you go, that was 40 years ago, dude. Let it go. But if you continue reading the story, it is an amazing story. Because word travels throughout Ephesus. This is the city that they're in. Did you hear about what happened? You hear about those seven sons? They got they got thrown out of the house, man. And the majority of the city of Ephesus bows a knee to Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know why they did. I don't know if it just got a lot of spiritual conversations going in the city. But in a really weird way, the city repents. And it results in one of the strongest churches in the New Testament. Those seven guys that went into the house, I'm going to guess, new Christians, they they really don't know what they're doing or what how, how to do things in a certain way, but they just say, you know what, God, use us, use us, and they, they step in. They fail big time. But the name of Jesus Christ was lifted up, and it brought glory to God. A lot of Christians want to eliminate all the risk out of life. And I would argue you eliminate God out of the equation at that point too. 
Paul writes, he says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. But I like to see things first. I like to figure them out from a logical point of view. We want to eliminate all the risks, don't we? And then move. Then we'll take a step when all the risks are gone. And friends, God says you cannot please Him unless it's a step of faith. There's always a risk in doing what God's called you to do. When are people willing to take a risk? I want you to think about that. When, when are you willing to take a risk? Well, I would argue that people are willing to take a risk when they weigh the return. It's based on the return, isn't it? Here's an example. Let's pretend for a moment that your house catches on fire or your apartment. And you get out, okay? And then you realize that you left something inside. All right, how many of you would go back in for a goldfish? All right, we love our goldfish. (laughs) How many of you would go back in for your kid? Why is that? Because the return is worth the risk. You really need a fire plan, by the way, and you never run back into a house. You figure out how to, how to have a plan. But anyway, it's about risk. It's about return. Let's say that I gave you a chance this morning... And we were going to have a bet, a 50-50 bet, a flip of the coin, all right? And you put $100 on the line. And I'm going to give you a 50-50 chance. I'm going to flip a coin. If you win, you get $110. In other words, a $10 return. How many of you would say, I'm in? All right. That's a bad bet, by the way. Bad bet. But let's say it's a 50-50. If you win, you get a million dollars. If you lose, you lose your $100. Now, let's forget that gambling's poor stewardship. All right? Let's forget that it wreaks havoc on our society and families. $100, 50-50 chance, flip of the coin, you win a million How many of you are in on that one? Why is that? The return. It's the return. You know, people ask me, they say, Damon, why why are you so passionate about God? Why are you so passionate about Jesus Christ? Why are you so passionate about the church? Well, friends, I'll tell you why. Because I've surveyed this world, and I've taken a good look at our society And what is needed. And there is no place else where the return is greater than what God does through the local church. I mean, you show me something. You show me something that has eternal value. And I will leave this. And I will pursue that with every bit of energy 
and strength in me. See, there is no place that there's a greater return. Consider this. If you were to add up all the people that have ever lived on this planet, since the very beginning of time, Adam and Eve, okay, all the way forward, if you add all the people up over all those centuries, and then you consider that today on our planet there are 6.8 billion people, all right? 6.8 billion represents about 20% of the people that have ever been on this planet. 6.8 billion people waiting to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Heaven and hell in the balance. I think I'll set it out. I think I'll just get comfortable. Friends, there is no greater return. Why is it why is it so many church people don't want to risk it? I mean, we'd rather bury our talent, rather play it safe, rather sit on the sideline and not serve, rather hold on to the tie, that that, that ten percent. Rather hold on to it than trust God. Which really is a bigger risk. And you realize. I mean, why is that? Friends, here's what I would argue. We've forgotten the return. We've forgotten eternity. You know, we've forgotten the potential return. We've forgotten that Jesus said, you know what, it's better to give than receive. We've forgotten that, that we're robbing ourselves of blessings when, when we hold out. You know, we have forgotten the potential return that's really beyond anything we can contain or hang on to. You know, I would argue that we've forgotten that. That, that we've forgotten that by serving and being a part of the body of Jesus Christ, the church, that we're changing lives, that we're marking people, that we're helping families, that we're marking cities and countries, that we're marking eternity. We've forgotten it. We've forgotten that we can leverage our giftedness, our uniqueness, to make a difference, an eternal difference. We've forgotten that. You know, we set it out because why? We might mess up. I might fail. Oh, it might cost me. It might take too much of my time. We've forgotten the return. And friends, it's great. We've forgotten the return. And so we don't share our faith. We've forgotten that, that heaven and hell's in the balance. In fact, every single one of you have someone that you love that doesn't know Jesus Christ, that God's not at the center. Every single person here. Unless you've surrounded yourself with just Christian people. It's a little pathetic, to be honest. Because we're called to reach people for Jesus Christ. 
we don't we don't share our faith. We we don't invite people to to church. Why? Because we're, we're afraid of what they might think. Afraid we might fail. We've forgotten what's at stake. I mean, this one's so important. Scripture says that when one person gives their life to Jesus Christ, finally bows a knee and says, you're my Savior. You can be in charge of my life. It says all the angels in heaven. Stop what they're doing. I'm not sure what they're doing in heaven, but whatever it is they're doing, Scripture says they stop. And heaven celebrates that moment, that individual, that soul. One soul changed for eternity. See, it's easy to forget the return. You know, this church came into existence because a few people heard God's call and and decided that, you know what, I can leave this self-centered, materialistic life. I'll leave the comfort zone. I'll leverage what I have and what I know and what I, I can do to make a difference in this world and to mark eternity. And I talk about it often around here. But it's easy to forget the return. Risk. Risk. I was talking to a couple of colleagues uh, a while back, and um, they're, they're like, man, everything just works for you, doesn't it? And I just wanted to die laughing. It's like, are you kidding me? I, I have failed more times than I can count. And in fact, most of what you see is a result of failures. The, the fact is, Risk, failing, learning, adjusting. Risk, failing, learning, adjusting. And continue to do it. Faith fellowship has risk in its DNA. You cannot be a part of something great without there being a risk. And I've been thinking, you know, sometimes I wonder if we don't, we don't think too small of what God can do through us because that's the problem. We're trying to figure out what we can do instead of what God can do through us, through this church. It's easy to get sidetracked. It's easy to forget the potential return and therefore it's really easy to just play it safe. You just got to say no more, no more. going to take faith risks. Why? Because it's absolutely worth it. And there's also the unseen side of loss. There's no doubt about it. As Christians, you will lose from time to time. You know, Matthew, Matthew 16, 25, Jesus says, For if you want to save your own life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will what? Find it. I hear often from people, and they'll say, Oh, I, I got to get a life. This isn't working for me anymore. You know, I, I got to find meaning. There's got to be more than this. Maybe, maybe a new job will do it. You know, maybe a, a nicer house or a car will do it. You know, maybe a new location on, on this planet will do it. Maybe a different relationship. Maybe that'll do it. I, I've got to get a life. I'm searching for something. And friends, it's time you quit searching. If you want to find your life, you lose it. You lose your life in Jesus Christ so that you can find his life in you. You know, it's the unseen side. It's the unseen side of the great work of God. 
It's behind the, the scenes. I mean, behind the scenes here, you find a, a culture of sacrifice, people that sacrifice their time and, and their talents. But sacrifice is a loss. Make no mistake about it. I mean, let me, let me define sacrifice. Sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love more. I love juji fruit. You know what I'm talking about? I really do. I, I, I love it. It's my, one of my favorite candies. love licorice and lime. Those are my favorite. The last time I had a box, my grandkids were at the house. Within seconds, I was surrounded. Like, kind of like a mama bird feeding, feeding her chicks. They're like, oh, Grandpa, it looks so good. Oh, I want a Hulk one. I want a Hulk. Green's my favorite color in the whole world. No fair. Bella got the last red one. His is bigger than mine. And on and on they went. Oh, Grandpa, Grandpa, we've never had licorice before. None of them. I gave each of them a licorice one. They all spit it out. Every one of them (laughs) in and spit it out. I got it offered back to me by one of them. I said, no thanks. I mean, it was a circus. And when all was said and done, here's the deal. They ate all the green ones because it was the most popular color. They ate all the licorice one because there were only four licorice. What is wrong with that company only putting four of them in there? Bottom line, I lost. Not really. I gave up something I love for something I love way, way more. It was easy. Talk to people. They'll be visiting here. They'll say things like, you know, you guys don't do this or that. Or, you know, I wish you had some of the things that the traditional church has. You know, I wish you had this. And some of the things, sometimes I'm talking to them, I think, yeah, I wish that too. I, I miss, miss that. I have personal preferences that I put aside. Friends, I'm willing to give up something I love for something I love way more. I'm willing to do the extra work because sometimes it'd be easier to do things old school, so to speak. But I know that doesn't reach a lost world. And so I put in the extra time the extra energy. And I gladly give up that time and that energy for something I love more. Willing to lose whatever for something I love more. Reaching more people that have not given their life to Jesus Christ. You know, story in Luke 5, it has captivated my mind most of my life. And, and I think about it, and the basic story is you've got these businessmen, and they owned a fishing business. And my guess is it was probably a family business, had been in the, for generations, had been a part of their life. 
One day Jesus shows up and he's speaking and performing miracles. And Jesus sees these guys. He says, you want to change the world? Jesus says, you know, if you're interested, you're going to have to do a few things. You're going to have to lose your life. You're going to have to drop everything. And you're not going to catch fish anymore. You're going to catch people. And these businessmen hear this. And it says in Luke 5, 11, he writes, he says, So they put their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Two words grabbed me. Left everything. Left everything. Left the family business. Left the financial security. Left everything. Everything that they loved, that they knew. And they left it for something they loved more. Reaching people for God. Loss. It's the unseen side of the church. I'm going to say this as respectfully as I can. There are too many hokey pokey Christians these days. Do you you remember the song Hokey Pokey? Put your right hand in, you know. Remember that? There are too many Christians put their right hand in. And then there's a little pain, and they take it out. You know, they put their left hand in until there's some risk involved. And it hurts. And then they don't want anything to do with it. So they take their hand back out. They put their hand in until there's a cost and there's a loss and they just back away. Do you remember the last thing in Hokey Pokey? What's the last thing you put in? Your whole self. Friends, that's the only way you can walk the Christian life. You've got to put your whole self in. There are not partially devoted followers of Jesus Christ. You're either a follower of Jesus Christ, fully devoted, or don't know. It's fully devoted. When things aren't going good. It's fully devoted when it hurts. It's fully devoted when there's risk. It's not just fully devoted when things are going well. You know, when there aren't any bumps in the road. When the risks are low. When you get instead of give. You know, it's fully devoted, fully devoted, fully devoted. No longer about me. It's about you, God. If there's pain, I will consider it an honor to suffer for Jesus Christ who died for me. If there's risk, I'll take it. I will have the faith to believe that God will empower us and use us as he sees fit. And if there's loss, who cares? Who cares? Because 
eternity is gain. And that gain, absolutely worth it. That's the unseen side of a dangerous church. Christ followers willing to pay the cost. Why? Because the return is worth it every single time. Faith Fellowship, our mission's clear, crystal clear. We are here for one reason, and that's to help lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, whatever it takes, whatever it costs, whatever, 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 absolutely whatever. It's about that simple. Let's stand for a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, I pray that faith fellowship will always be a dangerous church. Willing to face whatever. God, I thank you for people and leaders that are all in. It's not a matter of I'm not sure if I'll take that next step. We just take it. We face whatever we face. God, give us a passion for your people. God, those times when we feel like we fail. I know you're using us anyway. Pray that we would have grace. That um, we would realize even in failure, there's gain. God, I pray that you would ignite our hearts, that you would help us to run after you with all the passion in us. Help us to be the people you created us to be. Help us to be the church you created us to be and have called us to be. May we give you glory with all we say and do. And all God's people said,